Hello, and welcome to Calming the Chaos, where we present tips, tools, and techniques to help you find peace in a chaotic world. I'm your host, Tracy Canella, licensed mental health counselor at Lokahi Counseling. This channel and the Calming the Chaos podcast is for those who want self-help and education. It's not a substitute for counseling or psychotherapy. So if you like the information, please subscribe to my channel and share it with your friends. Thanks so much for listening. And now, let the chaos begin. Hello, and welcome to Calming the Chaos with Tracy Canella. Today, I'm here with my guest, Dr. Jared DeFife. He is a clinical psychologist, and he specializes in therapy. He's got a great sense of humor. We've just been talking. He's in Atlanta, where right now, apparently, the power has been going in and out. So we're hoping to get this episode done and not get interrupted. Um, so Jared works with ADD, ADHD, people who struggle with chronic depression, and what he calls relentless self-criticism, and difficult interpersonal relationship problems, which is what we're going to be talking about today. We are going to be talking about this idea of being married to someone or being in a relationship with somebody who has ADD or ADHD and the chaos that can happen in that sort of relationship. Welcome, Jared, to Calming the Chaos. Hi, Tracy. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's been great getting to know you through your website and through the HealthCasters podcasting forum and um, just being able to chat with you here right now. And so what, what I'd like to start out with is to have you just tell me a little bit about yourself, what you do, what kind of work you do. So, I mean, you gave me a great introduction there. Uh, I'm a psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. I am a recovering academic. Uh, I left the academic field about five years ago to start my private practice. Uh, I used to do a lot of research and clinical practice in the academic medical world on things like personality disorder assessment uh, and personality disorder treatment. Uh, as well as psychotherapy process and outcome. Uh, and my own ADHD brain could not handle the amount of split that was involved in such a career of trying to do research, practice, teaching one campus, two campuses, three different campuses, four different job titles, and five different places. Uh, and so that had really led me to kind of leaving that world behind and starting my own starting my own practice about six years ago now. And over the years, I have developed a, a specialty and a really particular interest in helping adults with ADHD navigate their selves, their emotions, how they feel about themselves uh, and relationships. And we'll talk about that and how marriage comes into play with that. Absolutely. I do a lot of work with relationships too. And this podcast is about the chaos of the mind, which I think I had heard somewhere, somebody described having ADHD, like going through 
a rainstorm and driving a car through a rainstorm without windshield wipers sometimes. And I don't know if that's all the time, but can you just describe a little bit since you have just sort of self-disclosed there that you, <laughs> you have AD, do you have ADD, ADHD? You know, I think that's a pretty good description right there. And I've heard a number of them. Uh, driving through rain, rainstorm without windshield wipers, uh, operating a mind with a hundred browser tabs open and one of them's playing music, but you don't know which one. Uh, navigate, navigating a grocery store sort of comes to mind where it's like there are a thousand different options and a number of things to uh, keep on your mind and try and remember and go through. Uh, mm-hmm. Those are all pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> these are all pretty good descriptors. I, I, you know, I talk about it in terms of a runaway brain uh, and, and helping works to kind of tame their, their runaway brain. And, and we'll talk about the number of ways that ADHD can be a little bit of a runaway brain uh, and, and how that shows up. I love that. I love when people say, I lost my train of thought, and I will reassure them. I'll say, well, that's okay. The next train will come back into the station. And so that really feeds into that runaway brain, sort of um, that idea that your brain can just run away. But it can come back, right? Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, and sometimes for sometimes in a rather intense way. Uh, sometimes you can hop on that train and go down a rabbit hole at, at ninety miles an hour, exactly. uh, and it's impossible to put the brakes on it. Mm-hmm. Well, when we're talking about relationships, inherently, this is in my mind anyway. I'm sure there's probably some relationships that don't have chaos, but in my brain and in my mind. I've seen a lot of relationship chaos and have been a part of a lot of it as well. So inherently, I believe relationships can have chaos and so especially romantic ones, right? Mm -hmm. So what are some of the signs that you see that possibly ADHD could be part of the chaos in a relationship? Well, that's a great question and a really great place to start when thinking about this because with with the folks I work with, one of the first places that we really start is, what is ADHD? Like, like what is it? Uh, it's a really poorly named condition. It's an extraordinarily poorly named condition because one, it's not about a deficit of attention. We can talk a little bit about that. Uh, and two, most people and certainly most adults uh, will not identify with the H hyperactive part, even if they're showing what's, what's what would be called traditional hyperactive symptoms. But the most common thing I, I hear in my office is, well, I don't have that H part or the hyperactivity part. Deficit disorder, uh, the, the actual name is attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that covers many different types. That covers a predominantly inattentive type. That covers a hyperactive impulsive type. That covers a combined type. But the cardinal symptoms of ADHD fall in three realms. But even that, I think there's a more nuanced description, which is hard to communicate in a succinct way. I will try and keep it, you know, as, as succinct as I can. But the three main symptoms include inattentiveness, concentration problems, tension problems, of course. Uh, hyperactivity, which I think in adults is better described as restlessness, a sense of internal, sometimes external restlessness, but more often internal restlessness, inability to sit still, easily getting bored, mind racing all the time, troubles getting oneself to sleep, 
uh, constantly bouncing among projects and not completing things. And of course, impulsivity is the third main kind of category of uh, verbal impulsivity, not someone who doesn't have a filter. Um, talks, you see, I talk at a good clip. Um, behavioral impulsivity, which can lead to things like driving a car too fast, uh, drinking too much, um, and behavioral impulsivity type things, spending too much money, ordering on Amazon more than one should, binge eating, uh, all of the impulsive type things. So it really covers this, this sort of triumvirate of, of behaviors. But even that, I would say, is, is not necessarily what helps folks understand what this is. Mm. Yeah, because a deficit seems to imply a, a, a lack of attention, but that's what we perceive on the outside. But what you're telling me is what's really going on on the inside is not a deficit. It's probably an abundance of, like, I'm having to pay attention to, like, what you said, all of those screens being open and one of them's playing music and I have to find it and I don't know where it is. It's probably more like that and it's not a deficit, actually. Yeah. I mean, a good working definition of ADHD is it is a complex neurodevelopmental disorder. So it's complex. It it's, it's at present from childhood and affects the development of the brain and functioning through the lifespan, which, you know, going back to 1990, people would often say things like, well, you just grow out of it once you reach 18 in some magical way. But the research really shows us and, and experience will tell you that that's not true, that this is a neurodevelopmental disorder that, that carries through the lifespan. And the disorder is of the executive functioning system, which is the self-management aspects of our brain. It's the, it's the conductor of the orchestra. It's the air traffic controller. It's the driver of the car. It is the, the functions of our brain. It's, it's almost easy to imagine a little dude in there, like navigating around, like inside out. But it's a set of functions uh, that we do cognitively to help us regulate our behavior, initiate things, plan, organize, and execute on our intentions. Boy, so you make it sound like it's actually, it, it is a neurological, so you're just born with it? ADHD is one of the most heritable conditions that we know of in the mental health field. Mm -hmm. Along lines with schizophrenia, I believe. Um, but it is one of the most genetically based disorders uh, that, we, that we have evidence for. If you have two identical twins and one has ADHD, the other one has a 70% uh, likelihood of having ADHD as well. Um, ADHD does definitely run in families. When there are two kids who have been diagnosed with ADHD, the likelihood that one of the parents does is a coin flip or even more likely than a coin flip. When you start dating people, are you, because I know that when you, when you start dating, you may not be aware there's the front stage behavior and the backstage behavior. So you may not be aware of like what you were talking about with the behaviors of excessive eating or shopping or verbal impulsivity, even distraction, right? Um, but what are some of those early signs that like when you're dating a person, I'm just going to take a step back and say, well, we're mm -hmm. dating a person. What, what are some things that maybe we can be aware of and watch out for that this person might have ADHD? 
So I, I'm thinking of a Chris Rock bit where he talks about when you date someone, you aren't dating that person, you're dating their representative. <laughs> that sounds like Chris Rock. <laughs> Uh, I'll try not to go into a terrible uh, Im impression. You're dating their representative. Uh, and the ADHD folks can certainly fall into that. There's a lot of excess drive and stimulation and motivation. It's new. It's novel. Uh, you can get into almost hyper-focused dating where you intensely focus your energies and attention onto this person because they're new, they're interesting, they're... Uh, novel and fun. And so partners of folks with ADHD will say, ah, I met this charming guy who was really wonderful for the first couple months that we dated. And then we moved in together and like, where did he go? He just sort of disappeared. I get that a lot for some reason from people who, who are dating and then they think that they have met somebody and then there are really some problems afterwards. doesn't mean that they can't be fixed, but mm -hmm. is the hyper-focus on the person that we're dating and we're just always calling them or we're always obsessed in our minds about them, thinking about different things about them? That's the mm -hmm. hyper-focus you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All absolutely. right. So there's a there's one sign that you know that that hyper focus, but then it goes away. It seems like um, the the trend is like say we do get engaged and we get married, um, or we start living together. That was your example. We start living and together. The mundanities of regular life start to set in. <laughs> like what's and an example? Can, what's an example of that? Paying the bills on time, uh, remembering an anniversary dinner, uh, buying Christmas presents for the nieces and nephews. Planning so, a dinner date for the 50th, 100th time, picking what to watch on Netflix mm -hmm, mm -hmm. on Thursday, as well as Sunday, <laughs> doing the laundry, making the bed, all of those things. Well, that, that kind of, uh, that spanned the whole spectrum of we've, we're forgetting things or we're focused on things that don't really matter or we can't make decisions. A, activation and organization. The executive functioning system is like the ignition switch in the car. It's the thing that someone gets up and going in the morning and gets up and going on a task and they organize their materials and plan to get started on something. So that can be a problem with folks with ADHD brains. Okay. Two, focus. It's hard to sustain, shift, uh, focus. So some people will say, you know, Johnny can, has ADHD and doesn't pay attention in the classroom and his homework, but he can focus on a video game for six hours on end. Well, there's a couple of reasons. One, there are so many consequences in the video game. It's a constant attention grabber. They're not long-term consequences. They're immediate rewards and consequences in a game. And two, it's hard to shift focus away from stuff when you're in it to move on to something else. Three is effort, alertness, sleep problems, regulating effort, alertness. It's like the driver of the car, are they awake or not? Mm -hmm. Some people with ADHD can't shut their brains off at night and still sleep like rocks through the day. And it's hard to get them up and regulate in the morning. There's a huge overlap in the uh, uh, wakefulness regulating system in the brain. 
emotion. This is the big one that's always missed. We think about ADHD as a cognitive type concern, but emotions are a cognitive process as well, regulating intense emotions. People with ADHD, their emotional amps tend to go to 11 and stay there, and it's hard to turn them down, particularly frustration and irritation management. So we can talk about how that relates in marriage. Memory, working memory, remembering, uh, holding things in mind, not just long-term memory, but, but, but working memory and prospective memory, remembering to remember. And action monitoring, that means monitoring yourself to do and finish tasks and projects. It means monitoring yourself in relationships with others and how they react to you. And it means monitoring things like time management. So when we talk about executive functions, those areas, activation, focus, effort, emotion, memory, and action monitoring are all affected and impacted and part of this complex condition. And you can imagine how all of those things impact a marriage and a romantic relationship. A partner may often come in feeling like ADHD is catching, like it's almost contagious because they're struggling with the chaos of their partner who forgets to pay the bills on time, leaves things out in the sink or the dishwasher, forgets loads in the laundry, doesn't show up on time. The other partner can become so stressed and overwhelmed, and, and stress affects our executive functioning system too. So it's almost like they feel like they're, my partner's ADHD is catching, and somehow I've, I've, I've got a bit of it. Yeah. So as far as relationships go, if you're, if you're married, uh, what sort of techniques do you, well, you know, sort of struggles do you see and techniques do you suggest for people who at least have one partner who's struggling with ADHD? Mm -hmm. So the struggles uh, tend to run a range and a gamut of things. Uh, I, I will say that we do know you know, this gets to some, some folks talk about ADHD being a gift and, and the good positive qualities associated with that. And I think that is true. And I think we need to give credence to that perspective that ADHD brains confer some benefits in certain things like a, a greater amount of activity or charisma or being able to hyper-focus on some tasks at certain times and divergent thinking and, you know, being able to say what's on their mind without filtering it. But you don't want to dis unbalance that by not focusing on the problems that ADHD causes as well, that, that, that we know of as well. ADHD has an impact on the lifespan of, of adults. I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but more likely to die in accidents, um, more likely to get speeding tickets, more likely to not make as, mon as much money in the same kind of careers as their, their non-ADHD peers, um, significantly so, financial impacts. Uh, substance abuse increased. And uh, to our discussion, marriages, first marriages, second marriages, third marriages. Folks with ADHD are more likely to get divorced. Oh, wow. Okay. At, because of an, a number of how these reasons affect up. Memory, focus, emotion. Can imagine a partner who's irritated a lot of the times that you have to walk on eggshells around. Mm -hmm. That 
will get irritated and frustrated and set off. Imagine the partner, uh, the non-ADHD partner driving as a passenger in the car with the ADHD partner who um, tends to get a little road ragey, um, starts yelling at other drivers, maybe driving too fast, may drive a little erratically. Not safe. Imagine what it's like raising the kids. Imagine what it's like in some cases I've heard where a partner finds an overdue bill that hasn't been paid that's affected their credit score. Mm-hmm. And taxes that haven't been filed for three, four, or five years, and back taxes that come up. Yeah, wow. I, you know, I hadn't really even realized there are all these these sorts of problems. I mean, I know these problems from having relationships myself, but then I'm just thinking about it through the ADHD lens and how really difficult that must be for not just the partner, but, well, for both partners. Uh, you know, so. And- and here's what the partner will, sa- will often sound like. They'll often sound like one of two complaints, two things. Either number one, they'll say, it's like I'm living with a child. It's like I have another kid in the house. And they don't get their stuff together. They're unreliable. They're undependable. It's like I have to be their parent and be on top of them, and I'm so exhausted and it's frustrating. It's like I have another child in the house. Mm. Two, they'll often say, He's an insuffering narcissist who does not care, who gets angry, who is unreliable, undependable, maybe not fully honest, who externalizes blame, et cetera, et cetera. Those are the two main complaints I I hear. In a relationship, what do you do when you are married to a child or somebody who is just so egocentric that it's kind of like, well, well, hey, where am I? Like, here I am. Well, let's, so one of the most important things that I, that I find is missing, and I think this is why a lot of couples therapy fails as well, you'd be surprised how little we're taught about adult ADHD. I mean, does that sound about right? How little we're taught in terms of our training? Having a knowledge and awareness of this is a whole lot of power. Mm-hmm. So first, I would say take a breath. Second of all, one of the fundamental treatment legs of working with ADHD is education. Mm-hmm. So helping the partners develop knowledge about what ADHD is and how it manifests mm-hmm. is in itself a hugely powerful intervention. The difficulty is that adults with ADHD are not the best self-monitors. Mm-hmm. One of the, so that's the last one, right? It's the monitoring part. So there can be almost this almost deficit of awareness where you get, this is where you really start to see people say, well, he's such a narcissist, he doesn't care. Uh, the ADHD partner may not often be aware of and reflecting on the ways in which their behavior is having an impact on other people. So a huge part of it is bringing their awareness to it. Yeah. Luckily, if they've gotten to my office, that, that process is kind of on the move already. Well, isn't it usually the partner that brings it up to the awareness or just like, like hey, you know, this has got to stop? Often, mm-hmm. often, a high majority of my practice is they're, with, they're, volunt- they're, they're not involuntary. They're not sort of go against your will. They, they come often voluntarily, but they come often under duress. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I'm going to divorce. Uh, I'm going to divorce mm-hmm. you if you don't go to counseling. A marriage is going to fall apart. Uh, fired from a job. Uh, you know, a educational program has said, "Clean your act up." Fine. And and they know, often don't know what's going on when when they come in. Uh, a majority of my practice, I have a lot of folks with ADHD who I think I spoke to in a way through implicitly through my copy and stuff like that, but they, but not necessarily explicitly coming in saying, well, I have ADHD. I actually, it's something that has emerged. Yeah. I could share just a little bit about what tools you use or help your clients use to be able to increase their awareness so that they can self-monitor a little bit more. And a little bonus question here, is medication necessary for those who struggle with ADHD? One thing I often find is with a partner, which is understandable given the amount of problems of this, they can feel so frustrated and at the end of their rope. And and I've seen partners even get to the point of themselves being verbally abusive. And it's, it's not to say that they should tolerate what's going on, but it is also about reframing, regulating, and being more effective versus, you know, being right. So, so, so it, that can be an important kind of intervention too, mm-hmm. to help the partner understand what's going on, make better decisions about how they want to react and handle it. Mm-hmm. In terms of treating the partner with ADHD, ADHD treatment, I, I don't want to say you have to be a jack of all trades, but I think you have to be a jack of a lot. This is a complex neurodevelopmental brain disorder that affects behavioral functioning. Mm-hmm. So in some ways, you have to think like a behaviorist. But if you think too much like a behaviorist and you don't pay attention to the emotional and identity components and interpersonal components that go on because you're too busy on calendars, timers, time management, uh, clocks, sleep hygiene stuff, you're going to miss a major source of the distress and impairment and much of the problem that's going on. Mm-hmm. So I, as a clinician, am often navigating and sometimes bouncing back and forth among these various things, which include education, helping them learn about how their brain operates and how it may be different than others. Medication, we'll talk about that since that goes to your question. Um, coaching and counseling type stuff where you do work on emotion regulation, awareness of interpersonal cues, self-identifying schemas, self-limiting beliefs, overly optimistic beliefs, um, as well as actual practical management things, like how do you get somewhere on time? How do you stop something so that you can shift and get to bed on time? How do you get started on things? Interpersonal components, communication skills, strategies, uh, theory of mind, mentalization, stuff about like being able to take the perspective of another person. So as you can see, treatment navigates a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Well, I can see how complex this is. I've learned uh, a lot about uh, what, what it is to have ADHD and, and how complex it is to, to treat it. I think I've developed a new appreciation for it, for sure. Uh, if, and um, so I guess uh, one of the things we talked about or touched on was medication. And I just did a podcast interview with Katie Hart, who is a certified nutritionist. And she, of course, believes in the role of medication, but also 
believes in the, the role of nutrition in helping people take care of that physiology, the body physiology that will help calm the chaos of the mind. Is there a way you can speak to what you know about nutrition and uh, also medication in the treatment of that, that inherent physiology that's present in the brain? Well, lucky for me is your simple country therapist. I'm not a country therapist. I live in Atlanta. <laughs> Atlanta? Is that the country? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. all right. Yeah, I've yeah, never yeah, been there, yeah. so I'll yeah, just have yeah. to trust you on that. Uh, luckily for me, I, I don't have to worry about those kind of decisions and pay grades. So uh, the decision to go on a medication or not is between a client and, and their physician. What I can speak to is that we know that medication for ADHD is extremely effective uh, for, it's probably one of the most effective medications that we have in the mental health field that works for, I think they say about 70 to 80% of folks. Uh, It is high, decades of studies have shown it is highly safe. um, And there's a great degree of safety, obviously, your mileage may vary, and this is, again, something you check with your doctor and your physician to, to work with, but, uh, and is also considered a frontline, first-line treatment for ADHD. Now, medication, what you overwhelmingly find in surveys is that in marriages and with partners, they will say medication is not enough. Medication is incredibly helpful and changes so many things and is wonderful, but not enough. It do, pills don't teach skills, right? And this is this is why you know I, I I'm here and, and I exist because they'll they'll find that the medication will only take one so far. You also have to learn skills about knowing how your mind works, learning skills to better manage your time, better organize your materials, focus, attention, to improve your relationship communication to improve your emotional management and regulation and all of those things. Uh, breathe in, breathe out. <laughs> Remember to breathe or else Remember to breathe. a lot more problems. Knowledge, knowledge. If you, if you think a partner has ADHD or you suspect that you do yourself, get a good evaluation with a knowledgeable provider. Don't assume that provider knows a darn thing about ADHD. Most of us don't or weren't taught that. So, so unfortunately, you do have to do your homework. Mm-hmm. Support, I think, is huge. Uh, even more than couples therapy, which I think is often vitally important, a support group is really huge and important. Get support, get understanding, get knowledge, get education. Yeah. You know, as a partner, you're not responsible for fixing your partner's ADHD. Exactly. But I can notice my irritation about it. And I can breathe and I can step away or I can use my own skills to just sort of manage it if my partner has ADHD. And then my own self, I'm hopefully getting help from a qualified or an evaluation and help from a qualified mm-hmm. individual, such as yourself, because you have it plastered all over your website. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've really enjoyed being with you today and, and hearing all about, and I've learned so much about ADD, ADHD, partners, and the sort of wanting to know if you have anything that you want to share with the audience about how they can contact you. But if you have any sort of resources about yourself that can help people calm the chaos of their mind, especially if they may be struggling with ADHD, ADHD, please, please let us know, right? Yeah. <laughs> so you can, yeah, you can find me over my website at jareddefife.com. Okay. Uh, I'm on Instagram at Atlanta psychologist. 
But if you go to the website, it's not up yet, but I have a section on ADHD that will have some signups for future, maybe short courses, informational videos, and potentially looking to establish some kind of support coaching and accountability partnership um, that, that would allow me to work with people remotely uh, throughout the country. Great. Awesome. And I've been on your website. You have quite a few videos of yourself and educating about uh, ADHD on your website. So, and they're really, they're super funny. They're fun. They're high energy. And I really enjoyed watching them for sure. Well, it was a pleasure and thank you so much. And I'm so glad that the power stayed on, aren't you? Yes, I am. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Stay healthy, stay, yeah. stay together. Breathe in, breathe out. We'll get through this. <laughs> we have a we have a split level house, so someone can be in the man cave and someone can be in the office, and it's all good that way, right? <laughs> yes. And remember to do the dishes. Oh, right. Yeah, and pay the bills. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Calming the Chaos. If the information in today's podcast was helpful, please consider subscribing and share it with your friends. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcast. Facebook, and on YouTube. And if you have any trouble finding this podcast, just go to my website at www.lokahicounseling.com. That is L-O-K-A-H-I-C-O-U-N-S-E-L-I-N-G.com. Thanks again for listening, and I look forward to sharing my next podcast episode with you. In the meantime, take care.